0: Good morning, everyone. Can you hear me all right? All right, good. Hey, uh, technical difficulties, uh, ones like that one, when they're just unexplained, it's kind of like We kind of have to laugh about it because we are looking at things back there and everything is how it's supposed to be, but things aren't working. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Thanks for coming. Thanks for being here at church today. We're glad that you made it here. You didn't get pushed off the road by the wind and everybody's hair looks okay. So we're doing good so far. Um, Yeah, Uh, we're in Advent season right now. So if you haven't been here, past two weeks, we are working through these four themes of Advent. Uh, The past two weeks, uh, each of our Pastor Dan's have given a message first on love and then hope last week. And so today I get to the third word that you can see up there on the wall, joy. So um, Advent just means an arrival. Advent is a season. We don't call it necessarily Christmas time. We do, but in the in the church world, we call it Advent season because we're expecting the arrival of Jesus. As we know, we celebrate on Christmas Day. So that's what we're doing. That's what we've been doing the past couple of weeks. Uh, these four themes are hugely intertwined you know love the first week we started hearing that message about love and then hope and then joy next week uh, you'll hear a message on peace as well and so i encourage you if you haven't been here the past couple of weeks to go we have a podcast you can go back on youtube and watch those other messages because they they intertwine they interlock they all are telling one story essentially and it's a story we find in scripture as you know so Here we are today, we're getting to uh, carry on the Advent uh, series, if you will, with speaking about joy. Before we get to the scriptures and stuff first, I want to talk about the Christmas spirit. Because we talk about the Christmas spirit this time of year. You're supposed to get in the Christmas spirit, you know, after Thanksgiving sometime, maybe start of December. And if you don't get in the Christmas spirit, and we'll talk about what that what people mean when they say that in a moment. If you don't get in the Christmas spirit, you're a what? There's a word for it. There's a title for it. A Scrooge. Yes, I'm glad, I'm glad that works. You're a Scrooge, right? Um, and so today, in an act of... Uh, the Christmas spirit. I wore a red shirt, not a brown or a gray one. So uh, a lot of you in the room are wearing, you know, your Christmas spirit clothes, your your festive clothes, you might call them. But what is the Christmas spirit? It's a, funny, it's a funny thing, and I've just been hearing it a couple of times, and it's had me thinking, especially in relation to this topic of joy. So most of the time, what I think people mean when they say, hey, you should be getting in the Christmas spirit or I'm having I'm full of the Christmas spirit whatever it basically means you know they're they're trying to be optimistic when it gets dark at four thirty outside or when it's however fast the wind's blowing outside and it's twenty five degrees like just trying to have a good attitude maybe it's People are showing that they're in the Christmas spirit by the fact that they are just being merciful or kind to other people, uh, how they treat other people. Maybe it's just an excuse for people sometimes to act happy. Happiness this time of year is something that I think it's okay that we expect, especially as Christians, like, it's, it's okay to have a collective understanding that, like, yeah, at Christmas time, Advent season, we should kind of have a cheerful attitude about us, Right? Well, yeah, and if you don't, you're called a Scrooge. E- even if you do one little, if you'd say a negative comment, you're called a Scrooge. Well, that's all good and fine. I think, I think it's okay to expect out of one another that we, we try to be joyful, have mercy uh, for other people. We, we have some optimism in the, f- in the face of the fact that it gets dark at 4.30 outside and it's cold and there's not a lot to do. It's okay to do that. One of those elements of what I think people are talking about when they talk about the Christmas spirit is joyfulness, joyfulness expressed in any number of ways. And this is, like I said, a time when I think, yeah, we should feel joyful, especially as followers of Jesus. And yet it's not as easy always as just putting on a red shirt or a Christmas sweater or having a cup of hot chocolate and just everything's great, right? It's not always that easy. In fact, our world, I think, struggles, especially right now, today, to be joyful, and we've got been going through a confusing, like, once-in-a-lifetime type of stressful uh, time the past couple of years, and then in addition to the extra stress that we've all been carrying, uh, life is just carried on, and all the bad things and tough things that come along with life, and so it is hard to be joyful sometimes, and today, for us, for everybody, I think it is a challenge To be joyful. So here's my goal today to reframe this theme of joy, to look at the scripture and see what it says about joy, what causes joy, what doesn't cause joy, who should be joyful, and how we can be joyful. A few of the misconceptions about it we'll address as well, because life's difficulties are still coming, and yet we are called to be a joyful people. This, we, we sang today about joyfulness. Most every Sunday we sing of joyfulness, how us as Christians especially are supposed to be. And yet, uh, tough times happen. Tough things come at us. That's a key thing in understanding what the story of the Bible lays out is that life can be tough sometimes. And so there's these two. Te- there's a major tension between we're supposed to be joyful, but life is going to be hard, right? It's a tough one to reconcile. I know for those of you probably who have kids, it's a tough thing to reconcile with them as they try to figure out, you know, right now I'm angry, but I'm supposed to be joyful about this because I'm a Christian, things like that. And it doesn't, that struggle doesn't end when we grow into adulthood. We still have the same struggle, don't we? It's tough to live in a world that like we do and be joyful, I I really liked this quote from C.S. Lewis, reading a book of his about a year ago. He said, and this is going to be a really sad quote, but just brace for it, okay? He said, reality looked at steadily is unbearable. Which I'm like, I'm kind of the person who I'm like, yeah, I kind of get that, right? Like, the more realistic you are about, like, what's going on in our world, the more you look about it, at it, the more you think about it, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Like, it's kind of tough to be here sometimes, you know? And yet, does anybody know the title of his own kind of uh, autobiography of his life journey up into the time he became a Christian? It's called Surprised by Joy, so he's a man who uh, we all look at with, you know, we respect him a bunch for all the works that he did um, and all the things he wrote, things that he said. And he's a guy who says, look, I get it. When I look at reality, it, it is not always that great. And yet he, he's able to say, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all the bad things that happen to me, joy is found in my heart, and I would really encourage you. His his definition of joy is quite interesting. If you haven't read that book, Surprised by Joy, definitely recommend it. So, here's my fear for us, and what I'd like to address today is that many of us, uh, not it's not just that we allow the mixed bag of our life—some good things and some some bad—to um, dictate whether or not we're joyful. Because if you're like me. Um, and everything in your life can be, like, going really great, things are going well, and then I have, like, right now at home, I know I have two dishes in my sink that aren't clean, and it's driving me nuts. If you can relate to that at all, you know what I'm talking about. That's 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 one of my fears is that we'll let that happen. The other, and I'm going to, I'll bring up that illustration as we go along today. The other, The other thing that I'm afraid of is that some of us in our pursuit of the life of God, the life of faith, can be embarrassed by the fact that like, we have a desire to be joyful, and so we just push it aside. We just come to believe that like, joy just isn't for me, and that's something I want to kind of push against today, and we'll see that in Scripture. So we look around us, some of us, and simply give up thinking that joy is possible, and we'll even like make fun of the people, the crazy people who like, go crazy at Christmas time because they're all joyful and stuff, or people who are joyful and it's not Christmas time, like, those people are really weird, right? We, we we do that, I think, in our own heads at least. I mean, we might not say it, but in our heads, we're like, man, is that person really that happy all the time? But... But when good things happen, I think it's okay to be joyful. And when good things aren't happening, I think it's okay to be joyful too. And for the Christian, this call is especially poignant. We need to take this seriously. So here's, here's what we're going to talk about today. For the Christian... As a sign to the non-believer, I think joy ought to not be like the Christmas spirit, where it's just in 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 your life for one twelfth of the year, or maybe only 25 days. I think it's a daily possibility. Joy is our privilege, and yet it can still be awfully elusive for us, can't it? There's these there's this tension. Joy is possible for us, but it's not that easy to have. So in order to cover all our bases today, I've lumped you all. I don't want to I don't want to make you feel bad or anything, but I've lumped you into two categories, okay? There's there's two categories basically for all people on the planet that we're gonna to address today and cover how you can find joy. Not necessarily how you can, but where you can find joy in your two situations, okay? before we start and get into the scripture, a few defining points for joy. Um, and as Dan, both Dan and Dan have addressed this the past couple of weeks, like these topics are kind of, they're pretty vast and it's tough to cover a lot. So I've got six points to help the, us define joy. And I, I was like, I, there's so many more. As I read them, you're going to realize like, oh, you should have said this. Just give me a break. All right. Okay. First one, Joy is an emotional state of goodness or pleasure, so um, I know in your hearts you're probably thinking, but okay, the emotion thing I don't like, and and I kind of don't either, I think I've been taught to not like the fact that joy is an emotion, but it is, it's something that wells up inside of us at certain times joy is an emotion and emotions were given to us by God with purposes the 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 emotion of anger has a purpose the emotion of fear has a purpose the emotion of guilt has a purpose and so does joy and i just parenthetically i think joy's the purpose behind it is for us to like acknowledge God and thank him for it so that's number 1 it's an emotional state of goodness or pleasure. We don't have to, uh, I don't have to give an illustration because you all know that that the feeling of joy, it's a feeling from time to time. And yet, I think the most perfect example of it, uh, the most perfect way to define it rather, is that it's deeply connected to the gospel. It's deeply connected to our faith in Jesus having reconciliation with God, having freedom from sin, having the fullness of the Holy Spirit live within you. These are things that bring about joy in its purest sense, I think. Joy, that pleasure, the goodness, the feeling of just, wow, this is amazing. And yet, here's the tension, here's the point of tension. Number three, it can be overshadowed and therefore leave our felt experience as if it is absent. So I'm going to say that again. Joy can be it can be overshadowed and therefore leave our felt experience as if it is not there at all. So it can be overshadowed. So I don't want you to hear that, like, if we're Christians, we're just supposed to be full of joy all the time, no matter what, no matter what's happening in your life. Things that are tragic happen to you, you're just supposed to be joyful. That's not the case. Sorry, I hit that. Uh, that's not the case. It can be overshadowed, but, but I chose my words carefully. The felt experience is as if it is absent. There is always, as we will see in the scriptures, always an opportunity for us to look at some things and realize there is, there is a purpose for me to be joyful right now. There is a reason for me to be joyful. Additionally, number four, joy is a fruit of the Spirit and therefore supernatural, if you remember Galatians 5 you you read through the list and we've got three of them the or, yeah three of them up there right now the first three are love joy peace and we go on down the list right they're fruit that means they're supernaturally things that grow in our coming out of us, essentially. They're things that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, come out of us. And that requires that we, as the branch, are connected to the vine that is Jesus. We're connected to God in relationship to him. And so joy, I think, in its most perfect uh, state at its essence, is something that the Christian has grow out of them. It just comes out of us. We can't always explain it. It's supernatural. It's illogical at times. Just as a helpful, defining thing to you, the two words, two of the most common words for it. First, uh, the Hebrew word for joy—it actually is a word that they use to also say to cry out or sing out. So it's an audible type of thing. When you're joyful, you sing. We have the English version of joy, which is rejoice, which is like when you rejoice, it means you're singing out, you're saying something, you're crying out, like this is great. I have this feeling of joy inside me, therefore it's coming out in a song or a yell or something. About a month ago, a month and a half, whenever we had the uh, snow day, my wife had joy at about 4.45 a.m. and said, Tanner, school's canceled, and she's a school teacher, and so you know, they love their kids and stuff, but a day off that you didn't expect is like one of the best things ever, right? So, so that's, that's the idea. The Hebrew word is to cry out, to realize something is worth being joyful about and cry out because of it. Interestingly, it can also mean to cry out in mourning. So more on that later. The Greek word for joy is just cheerfulness or calm delight. We're back to that feeling of pleasure and goodness. That's what joy is. So like I said, there's two groups of us here today and I'll address you one by one. The first group, I'm going to guess, is smaller than the second, but there there are two groups of us here today. First, there are those who have the opportunity for present joy, joy today, joy right now. If you'll go with me to Luke chapter 2, we have to read these verses because it's Advent season, and it's Actually, super helpful in understanding what this kind of joy is like. Luke chapter 2, gonna read verses 1 through 12. It says this In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, in in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. We've already skipped past the whole Gabriel coming to Mary, uh, telling her that she was going to have a son. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in claws and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. We sang about them this morning, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. For all the people, today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you: you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So, present joy. Verse ten: the angels say to them, "This." But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid. I bring you good news." That's the word where from which we get. Gospel. If you've been around church, you've heard the word gospel in reference to the whole story of Jesus about how he has done all he did. He came to be with us to reconcile us back to him in relationship. It's the good news. It's the gospel. The angel says, I bring you the gospel that will cause great joy and I wish this word would have been left untranslated because in the Greek it actually means mega, great does. So it's mega joy. You might have heard that before. I just thought that was really cool. Like, And I'm going to start saying that from now on when I read this. i bring you good news. I'll bring you the gospel that will cause mega joy. We just get the picture a little better, don't we? And that word mega actually means loud. It can mean loud. So I bring you the gospel which will cause loud joy. And again, joy is that word for singing out. So what could be worth this great of a joy? You might be thinking, the shepherds might have been thinking too. Well, we get to it in the next verse. First, for all the people, he says as well, the angel says, so, this is not an exclusive announcement. This isn't an announcement just for the shepherds to keep to themselves, but rather one that they are supposed to tell as many people as they can. And it's worth it. It's worth it because it is a good news that causes great joy. So, verse 11 what is this cause for great joy? Well, it says, verse 11 Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you, he's the Messiah. The Lord. This is the cause for mega joy for these shepherds and for all the people. A Savior has been born. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. Okay? These words, these titles that you read in this verse mean deliverer, anointed, and master. Anointed one and master. So we don't often call newborn babies by these kind of names, do we? There's something different about this baby who is born, and the shepherds would have had their had their uh, Jewish minds like ringing all over the place, like this is, this is the Messiah, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This is the God come to be with us that we have been waiting for to reconcile us, to redeem us, to deliver us from all the trouble that we have. This is the one the people of God have been waiting for at this time for hundreds of years. If you ever waited for something for, I don't know, yesterday I had to wait for my order of pizza to get done for 10 minutes, and when it was done, I was like, yes, pizza, right? Hundreds of years these people waited, waited for for God to send his chosen one to come and redeem them. And so you can see now why this would cause such great joy. This is the one, this baby... Though he's a baby now, he is the one who will redeem us and save us. This is the once-in-a-lifetime type of joy. Absolutely once-in-a-lifetime type of joy for these shepherds. And it's joy that is for us as well. So here's here's what present joy is as I see it from the scripture and a few others as we go along. Some of us have this opportunity today and at any point in time for what I'm calling present joy, joy right now. Present joy is choosing to celebrate what's in your lap, in your hands right now, when your mind and heart want you to focus on the other things that aren't worth being joyful about, okay? Celebrating the fact that everything in your life, maybe, is going well, even though there's two dishes in the sink, Okay? This, is the, this is what we're talking about. People who have something that has happened to them, good news that has come to them, an event has taken place for them that is a cause for joy. So a few of the places where you might experience present joy in your life, the first one is just the same as the present joy the uh, shepherds felt. It's joy from the good news, and I'm capitalizing the G and the end. the gospel. Joy from accepting Jesus. They found out that their God had come to be with them, and that was cause for present joy for them. I, I, just this past week in youth group, showed a uh, video from the series The Chosen of this whole sequence of the shepherds seeing the star and then going to tell, and I've never really imagined it this way, but they did such a good job of, like, the joy upon these poor, dirty, like, Pushed to the side shepherds' faces as they went through the town, they couldn't help but go tell people about it because they're so excited about it. The good news that comes to us from this Bible, from our scripture, when we accept it and when we accept Jesus is cause for joy. I hope for those of you who have been following Jesus for a while now, you can look back at the time when you first accepted him when you first asked him to come and be your Lord and Savior and your God, that you could look at that time with, man, I was so joyful. I had a joy, a supernatural joy in my heart, and I could overlook all those other bad things that were happening because I had found new life. I had been born again, right? That's the first point of uh, finding present joy is you could find it in the good news. And in all reality we can all look back at that time and hopefully reap some joy from our past joy right now too remembering our salvation is a great way to find joy right where you're at the next reason you might be feeling present joy is just good news in life maybe you've waited for something to happen in your life for a long time not necessarily spiritually but you've longed for it and it's a pure desire and it's come to pass and it's in your hands right now whether it be a job you bought a house these big moments in life you get married you have your first child these are big moments that are worth celebrating and I think the purpose of joy in those moments is that we, again, acknowledge God in those moments, realize that, man, I waited for this and I tried to be patient and I tried to be faithful to God while I waited, and here it is in my hands right now. That's worth being joyful about, isn't it? It is, and maybe those things are something you began to doubt was even possible, and that's okay. It's okay to sometimes be like confused about, maybe this isn't going to happen, but when it does happen, we need to celebrate in joy. You might not scream out like the Hebrew uh, joy, right? But you can have joy. You could wear a smile on your face if something good happens to you. That is the thing that I don't, I don't want us to be embarrassed of, the fact that joy comes from good things. I don't think God wants that for us either. Third time you could fo- probably find that you're feeling present joys in just fortunate times, not necessarily, again, something spiritual. Things are good at work. Your kid got a good grade on their test at school. Your adult children are thriving and their spiritual life is good. Or maybe you just had a really good donut in between services. Like, that's fortunate times, right? You can wear a smile because you had a good donut. That's okay. And these things, you know, that we take, I am saying as if it's not a spiritual thing, but having a heart that just wells up because, man, I like this donut, like, why not thank God? Why not be joyful? Not why not have a smile? Why push it away? What's the point, especially in our world where things are trying to uh, get us to not focus on the good things? Our brains are actually hardwired to focus on bad things, which I think I would say is a result of the fall. Uh, evolutionary biologists might say it's because in evolution you had to be afraid of everything, right? Uh, I think it's the fall, but we're, we're actually hardwired to think about the bad things. When a good thing comes, let it just be a good thing, right? I, uh, well, I'll add this. I'm preaching to myself hugely today because this this is a thing that I definitely struggle with. As you know, the dishes at home are in the sink. It's driving me nuts, okay? Fortunate times. If joy comes up, do not squash it down. We don't need to do that with this emotion all the time if that thing that's causing you joy is a pure thing, okay? Don't fight off or be embarrassed by these times. Instead, choose to celebrate acknowledge God in it who gives all good things and if it comes out and you singing if you're the kind of person that sings when you're happy just sing then if you're the kind of person who wants to pray and thank God for it and tell him you're joyful because of x y and z go ahead and do it if it just comes out in a smile just do it if you have a reason to be joyful now if there's a reason to be joyful that's in your hands in your life in your circumstances today be joyful Allow yourself to be joyful in it and thank God for it, okay? Now, the second group I want to address, uh, I think, is probably a wider uh, group. Uh, not people who today just everything is going great and I've got a big event that's happened and I'm just happy and joyful all the time. It's, it's the group who have the opportunity for, and I'm stating this really positively, the opportunity for anticipatory joy, Joy that you look, you, it's a joy that is very much tied to the second word of, of theme of Advent, hope. It's a joy that requires hope. I'm looking to my future and I'm saying I'm going to have joy right now because I'm hoping for this in my life, okay? The rest of us who don't have something in our hands to be joyful about today have the opportunity for anticipatory joy. If you'll go with me to uh, Psalm 126. Psalm 126. This is a short plug as you're flipping over to Psalm 126 just for a for you all to try to have a not try to just to have a Bible reading plan, whatever it might be. Um, the one that I was doing had me read this scripture, which I definitely needed to read like day after day for a few days a few weeks ago, and I was like, man, I needed this so so badly, and lo and behold, here I am uh, having to preach on joy, getting to preach on joy, uh, pardon me, and <laughs> uh, and, and it's so good for, for this group of people. I just think it, it's, it's so good at describing how we might feel. Let's read it together. Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Now looking to the future in hope. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. One of my favorite psalms, as of a couple of weeks ago, when I read it and it, and it stuck with me, Let's look at uh, verse five to begin. Restore, or those who sow with tears will reap songs of joy. Now, f- before we get into it too far, this is this is called a psalm of ascent or a song of ascent, also. And this is a part of the, the psalms, uh, its own little book within a book of these songs that the people of God would sing as they went back to Jerusalem, as they ascended into the city, and they would. Uh, sing these songs as ways of remembering the ways that God had done things in their past, and praising Him for it, and all these things. And so, this song, this Psalm, is a great picture of what allowing ourselves to be humbled by God and before His great plan for us can do. This is this is remembering a time these this specific psalm is remembering a time when the people of God had been in captivity and were getting to return to their place of worship in the city of Jerusalem, rebuild their temple and the joy that came along with it. So I want you to think for a moment if for whatever reason, God forbid, all of us were unable to come to High Plains Community Church For years and years and years because it was taken away from us. We had to go live somewhere far away where we just had to worship in, you know, a tent or out in the open air. That's what this was like. And then God restored to them the city. He he allowed them to come back into the city. Wouldn't that bring joy to you if you if we didn't get to see each other maybe for years and years and then we were able to come back and worship. Would that not be a joyful experience? Would we not probably like just like uncontrollably laugh it says That that, uh, phrase, we were like those who dreamed, our mouths were filled with laughter. It was like a borderline, let me hear me say that, borderline hysterical, like, you guys, we're back. We get to worship together. This is good. Our God has been so good to us. We would feel that same way. That was actually what happened to God's people. And so they sing this song heading up to Jerusalem for the festival, remembering how good it felt to have the city restored to them. And the result of that kind of situation is songs of joy just come out of them. Verse 6 says, those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. So this is a similar but alternative picture of the same kind of thing happened. It's a picture of a farmer whose land was likely desolated. There was famine, drought. He didn't have anything to reap in the time of harvest. And yet he had a few seeds. And as he went out... He, he had to sow these seeds, hoping that the next season, out in the future, something that he was hoping for, he was hoping that by sowing these few seeds that he had left over, something might grow from it. And look what happened. He had sowed those seeds with hope so that someday in the future, he might see a reward. He had to hope. He had to have, he had to have anticipatory joy, looking for and just hoping that it would have worked. The difficulty of that present moment for that farmer would have been nearly unbearable, which is why he's he's weeping as he's going out with seeds to sow, and yet he's showing his trust in God, isn't he, by just sowing those seeds anyways? Instead of just holding on to him, he sows it, he weeps as he goes. It's a tough time, but you see the result again. He comes back with songs of joy, arms full with the harvest that he was able to reap and yes it was in the future so that part of the psalm is looking to the future for the people of God for us today we can take it as a song for us too so the rest of us like the people in the story of this psalm, have the opportunity to anticipate joy out in the future and actually reap the benefit of it right now. Have the joy right now, even though it's for something that we're hoping for in the future. Does that make sense? This is a tough thing to do in practice because we, if we're in a bad time, if we're like this farmer in a spiritual way and we just have hardly anything to give, it's tough to let go of what little we have to give, right? It is always, always tough. But so the rest of us have this opportunity for anticipatory joy. And it's placing the future good that God promises his people over the current difficulty of life. And it's not ignoring the current difficulty. You hear me say that again? It's not ignoring the difficulty, it's not ignoring the fact that everything around us looks pretty bad. Everything around us is a famine-stricken land. Circumstances in our life are hard. Tragedy has occurred, but we can still have joy even then. Joy, that tension between things are hard, and I can have joy in my heart. So for those of us who don't have something in our hands to hold that is making us joyful today, we have the opportunity for this kind of joy. And so or those who are in that place you don't have something to be joyful about necessarily right now which we all do again in our salvation but if you if it's overshadowed right now if your' if your salvation is overshadowed by your circumstance here are a couple things to that might help you you may be going through pruning pruning is not a fad diet where you reinvigorate your digestive system it is a uh, it's a plant term right it's a it's cutting away the things that you don't need so that more growth can happen it's cutting away what was distracting you from relying upon God so that you can have a more more fruitful harvest down the road in the future it's something you hope for so it's cutting away cutting away our our things that we have put our hope and our trust in it's, it's us losing our hope and trust in the things that we have put it in that are not as solid as God, and it's doing all that, looking forward to future growth of fruit, what, what, what plants produce, right? We had a good picture of this, just a practical one in our front yard, this Past spring, I think my wife, Katie, she trimmed down one of our rose bushes like way short. Like, to the, I don't know much about plants, but I was like, oh, this is, I don't know if that was the right thing. And she was like, I looked it up on Google. It's fine. It'll be fine. The thing is huge now. And it had been cut down to the point where I was like, it's probably going to die. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah, well, it, it was nice while we had it. But today, it is, it's like too big already again. Pruning does that kind of stuff. But in the moment, it might feel like for you that you have had too much cut away already and you're thinking, God, I can't handle much more, right? I think we've all been there to a point where our circumstances in life have cut us down to the point where we are just, we, we don't have anything left, it feels like. And it's in those, that turning of, uh, the pruning is done, look, growth is going to happen. That's something that we can have Hope and joy in, okay? So maybe you are feeling like you are being pruned right now. Look forward to a future harvest like that farmer who had just the seeds in his hand to sow. That's all he had. And yet he comes back with a song of joy carrying sheaves with him. Maybe you're being pruned. And maybe you have sorrow right now. Maybe you just have sorrow. Maybe the circumstances of life, the hard things you're going through, are actually overshadowing. They're fogging up your picture of what could be giving you joy today. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe it's not a, a like, yeah, I'm looking forward to all the growth that's going to happen. I'm getting pruned right now. Nobody talks like that, right? Like, when we're getting pruned or going through hard times, it's like, I'm just trying to put one foot in front of the other and just make it through this. Maybe that's you. And when you're in that spot and somebody's like, you know, you're supposed to be joyful in all things and all circumstance and those kind of verses and they quote all the right scripture and stuff and you're like, don't talk to me. Like, I don't want to hear it. Look, sorrow and joy can be held at the same time but it has it's not joy that's just like i'm just going to forget about all the bad things that are happening watch the world burn around me and i'm just going to have a smile on my face like we like some people like try to get us to do with the christmas spirit thing right like you're in the christmas spirit you're supposed to just be happy all the time that's not the biblical understanding. This is one of the most helpful things for me to grow an understanding with past couple of years of my life is that sorrow and joy can be held together. 2 Corinthians 6.10, you don't need to go there. Paul says, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's what he, he is saying he himself is. As sorrowful yet. Yet always rejoicing. And for Paul, I don't think it's a superficial, fakey, Christmas spirit type of joy. It's like deep down in him, a supernatural, illogical thing that's coming out of him. That's what's possible in in your sorrow. There's room in our understanding of joy from the Bible for you to hurt, for you to go through great difficulty and to look forward to a spiritual harvest so long as you would sow those few seeds you might have in your hand into God. Find your joy in him. Give him what little you've got as far as faith, right? That's, that's a word I haven't used yet today, but it's so intricate to joy. Is like, if I'm going to have hope, I need faith to have that hope in the future thing that I might someday have that I really have a desire for. Faith is so intricate to all of these words up here, all these themes of Advent. We have to have faith to have it, and it's no different with joy. So today, if your circumstances don't seem to give you any reason right now to be joyful. By faith, trust in the future good to come to you by sowing whatever seed you have into God, and in that way, be joyful. If you if you think about uh, joy in this way, your whole frame of mind, your whole world can change. Just as we close, I want to... Go through a few great quotes that I found as I was learning about joy for myself. Because, first, before I come to you with a message about joy, I've got to try to figure it out with myself. And again, two dishes in the sink, it's driving me nuts, but I'm trying to be joyful as well. A few quotes. First, another one that reiterates sorrow and joy accompanying one another. There's a tension there, but it's possible. Job. Job, if you know his story, not the happiest story, not a guy you would imagine would be joyful, right? So by God's power, it is my belief, Job said these words, then I would still have this consolation, my joy in unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. So he says, my joy in unrelenting pain. Here's another example, like the one from Paul, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. These two things can be held together that you can have one and the other we can choose to we can we can participate in the negative frame of mind seeing only the negative and therefore never experiencing joy that's an option for us all it's not one I would recommend right like I wouldn't recommend that you be uh, angry about your dishes in your sink wouldn't recommend that I would recommend you try to buy the power of God and asking him for help be like Job Joy and unrelenting pain, sorrowful yet always rejoicing. This is a possibility for us. Take a look at any of Paul's letters while he was in prison, or Philippians, for example. He, he addresses the, the theme of joy, the idea of joy, more than any other book he wrote while he was in prison. How does this make sense? For both Job and for Paul, and for many other examples throughout scripture, there, there is that tension there, but I think the key, I know the key is always God's Holy Spirit doing what it does, growing that fruit out of us when we would least expect it. After we've been cut down to the point we wouldn't think any, anything would be able to grow, and yet it grows. Joy, therefore, should not only occur to us, occur in us, sorry, when everything in life lines up just right, Because in my 26 years so far, that hasn't happened. Everything hasn't lined up perfect. There's always two dishes in the sink, right? Joy should not only occur in us then, but it also doesn't need to be a superficial, fakie type of thing that we just put on and we just try to overcome by the power of our own will. It's supernatural joy we're after, and that's what Jesus brought to us. A wise person I heard speaking about joy said, if, and he was talking about it in our current circumstances, the past few years of our life in 2020, 2021. He said, if you're joyful right now, it's likely because you're living in another kingdom which I just thought was so great. I was thinking, you know, yeah, it's either you're you're numbing yourself with things that you can buy that give you joy or you're actually like living in God's kingdom right here like you're commanded to and like you're called to. And that's what I want for us. That's what I want for myself and my family and all of you guys as my family, my brothers and sisters in Jesus. I want you to feel as though you're living in another kingdom. And yeah, you don't have to wear a fake smile. You get to wear a real smile because you either have something to celebrate right now or you have something to celebrate that hasn't yet happened. And that's only possible with Jesus and the hope he gives us. So uh, another wise quote I read says joy is the punchline to the Christian sales pitch. Is it not? Is it not the thing that other people will look at us as we go through good and hard times, and if we are somehow joyful through the hard times and in the good times, we, we set aside those things that could make it a bad time? Isn't that... Isn't that an example to the world? Isn't that what the psalm said to you? It said, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. That's after they saw the people of God singing, despite the fact that things in their life were burning all around them, right? It is, it is what could show the world that there is something different about us. So I want us to see that it's not simply a duty Of a Christian to just be joyful, that we just slap a smile on and just, that's good enough, right? It's a huge, huge privilege that we have to have this supernatural joy. And we have great reason to be joyful today if nothing, if for nothing else it's that God is with us, right? That's what our whole Advent season is all about, is that God came to be with us. So if there's nothing else, if we can't, if we are so uh, blinded to the good things in life, the gifts that we have in our hands, there is at least for the Christian a joy that can be reaped from realizing God came to be with us. Such a gift to us, such a gift and something to remember. And I, Hope and trust that this season we all do our own part just for ourselves to remember the gift, remember this story that we read and have been reading bits and pieces of. As we come up to uh, Christmas and Christmas Eve, that celebration, it crescendos then, but it can be happening right now. That joy within us should be happening right now. And it should last not just through December 25th, but on through the year, on through our years too. It's a privilege. It's a, it's a privilege to be joyful like we can be. And, and those who don't have God don't exactly have that privilege the same way that we do. I want to read Isaiah 35 to you today before we close, as we close. Just uh, as something to read over you, this is, this is something to look forward to. If you'd like to turn there, you can. If not, I'll just read it over you and then we'll pray to close. Um, but just focus on these words. Let let the truth of it come to you and let it be a source of joy to you today as something, if you don't have something to hold on to today, that something today has happened that I can be joyful about. Be joyful in this, okay? In, in my Bible, it has the header over this chapter. It says, the joy of the redeemed. So let's read this together. If you would, you can... Do this, listen in a spirit of prayer, and we'll just pray right after it to close. It says this, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs, in the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow, and a highway will be there, it will be called the way of holiness, it will be for those who walk on that way, the unclean will not journey on it, wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing flee away. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, We pray that you would help us to experience joy in you today. In this season with so many things to distract from the true purpose of the joy you lay before us, help us to focus on you. Help us to focus on the fact that a baby was born and he is with us. This God, this Messiah, the Lord, the anointed one, the one who came to redeem us. Lord, we pray for those in the room who have yet to experience salvation in you, and therefore we believe can't experience the full fullness of joy that you offer out to us. Pray that you would lead them to yourself, and we pray that you would cause them to desire joy that comes from you. In this season, Lord, we don't want to forget what we're truly celebrating It's that you came to be with us so that you could redeem us and that someday we could have the hope that we just read about, that everlasting joy one day for all of us who are found in you will crown our heads. Songs of joy will come out of us like we didn't know we had within us, Lord. So I pray that you just be with us. You help us to remember these things, and you help us to find joy whether we've got reason to celebrate or it seems like we don't, Lord. Pray for your supernatural joy to grow out of us as the fruit that it is as we go. And let it be a signpost to all those around us who do not have your hope so that they might realize there's something different and come asking questions and seeking after you, Lord. We trust that you are a God who answers when we knock on that door as well. So Lord, we pray this over each and every one here today and those watching online as well. Pray your salvation would come. Pray your joy would come. Pray the hope that you have for us would come into our hearts in this season. Pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You're dismissed. Have a good day, everyone.